Welcome to Transforming the Toddler Years, a core four parenting podcast blending soul and science-based strategies to empower pandemic moms like you raising kindergarten-ready kids. I'm Cara Terrell, your host, a lifetime lover of littles, girl mom, early childhood educator, and conscious parenting coach who truly believes that how we connect and collaborate with our kids in the first five years is how we raise world-ready kids who will change this world. Hello, amazing mamas. Our back-to-school mini-series continues with today's guest, Dr. Fatima, a pediatric dentist who specializes in kids with medical anxiety. Ugh, have you been there? I know I have. In episode 42, we had Dr. Seema, who talked a little bit about this, but you wanted more. And now is a great time to educate ourselves as the new school year paperwork comes home asking, when was your kiddo's last dental exam? Instead of cringing, let's empower ourselves. You asked me to bring a pediatric dentist on the show and have conversations about kids who struggle and need support. Tips, tricks, and tools for kids with dental anxiety, even kiddos who've experienced early medical traumas. She's someone who does this every single day. Dr. Fatima is a mom of a five-year-old, a board-certified pediatric dentist in the New York City area, who also offers lip tie expertise, and she's a wealth of information. You are going to leave here feeling so much calmer, really empowered to give your child the health care they need, even when they're really not so convinced they want to go. So enjoy this episode and the beautiful human being that she is as much as I did. Dr. Fatina, thank you so much for literally taking a break from your job. I look at you, you're in the office. I can see the instruments behind you to share with parents across the country and beyond how important it is to get your children to the dentist early and often. Let's start right there. How early and how often? So first off, thank you so much for having me. This is my first podcast, so thank you. Um, To answer your question, how early? So believe it or not, as soon as you bring your little one home from the hospital, a newborn, a lot of parents don't know, but you could start incorporating oral health habits right then. So twice a day, you would need like a little finger brush. Actually, I'm going to go grab it so I could show you what it looks like. But you could use that like in the morning with a little water to help wipe the gums. And then you would do the same thing at nighttime. So the whole goal is to remove like that milk residue and also to kind of desensitize the child and get comfortable with, let's say, having a toothbrush in there. It's going to help when the teeth start coming in. So actually, the earlier you start incorporating that oral health routine, the easier it's going to be later on. So a lot of parents don't know that. They're kind of, what? We have to brush too? And I'm like, well, it's really quick, a couple of seconds. It's not like a true brushing. It's just more like a quick wipe. But here, I'm going to grab it so you could see what it looks like right over here. Fantastic. Um, so we open like a little box. These are typically the ones that we give. It's like a little finger brush. Um, It's a little silicone one. And then they have like these fun little cute soft bristles. So you just put like a little water on it and just wipe the gums. You could do this. You could do like a wet washcloth. All that works really well. 
anything that's going to kind of get in there and just get that milk residue off, that's your goal. And what happens if milk residue stays on the gums for long periods of time? It's more important like long term. So if let's say once the teeth start coming in or when the child starts, you know, having solids at six months, and if they're not used to it, sometimes the oral cavity is just more sensitive. So it may make it a little challenging later on. And also they just may not like, or some kids in general, let's say are more sensory. So the more you kind of like set that routine and help desensitize them, it's just going to be much later on when you, because by three, they have all their teeth. So if you start and you're kind of doing that, to me one less battle. So hopefully, you know, pick and also it's good for their overall health. So you are speaking the language of conscious, proactive moms everywhere. If I can prevent a struggle and you're going to tell me how to do it, I'm all over it. Yes. Yes. (laughs) So, so good. And I, I love how you brought up sensory kids. We have so much more knowledge now around what it means to be sensory in many different ways. For a child that struggles with true sensory integration issues, Mm -hmm. what strategies do you have? Because oral health still matters, but we know it just doesn't feel good to them. Yes. So that's a great question. Um, And I think a lot of it has to do with preparation and getting them more familiar with the unknown. So they're more comfortable and kind of know what to expect. Like any, whether it's a child or let's say someone older, you kind of want to know what's happening and what you're supposed to expect. So that was the whole purpose of why we made the book. So a lot of times with the new patients, what we do when they come to the office, um, especially if let's say we know they're more anxious, we don't always just jump in and do the cleaning. Sometimes we'll just kind of like show them around. We'll read them the story. We'll kind of show all of our tools that we use, like the toothbrush, kind of go over everything step by step. And if let's say they just let us look, depending on their level of anxiety, and get, you know, just a quick peek in there, we're happy. So it's really, it really depends on the child. Um, I would say some things you could do beforehand, like social stories, books, the more that you prepare and the more that the child kind of knows what to expect, I think it goes back to like a routine. It just helps them be more comfortable, I think. Um, So that was the whole point of making the book. So they're just more familiar and kind of get to know us a little bit as well. So it's not like scary in a doctor's office. It's more like a story time and somewhere I get to, you know, go with lots of toys and TVs. And it's not something that's, oh, my God, like completely new experience. Right. So and I would say that's like the biggest What separates, let's say, a pediatric dentist per se from a general dentist is that the environment is really catered for children to want to come and be comfortable, you know, in this setting, even though, yes, it is a dental office and sometimes even grown-up take coming to the dentist. But when there's lots of toys and there's TVs and like books and that's kind of their language, it's going to make it a lot less stressful, I think. 
So, yeah. So many things are coming up for me right now. I, I had a uh, a socially anxious child. She had GAD, so general anxiety disorder for anyone who doesn't know what that is. And that totally extended to dental care. And we tried general dentistry for too long before we were able to find a pediatric dentist. Um, I live in rural Vermont. It wasn't necessarily the easiest or closest find, but we did it and what a difference it made. So if that's you, listen, listen to Dr. Fatina and reach out. Secondly, the book. I really want you to highlight that since it's come up. We had the Berenstein Bears go to the dentist. Oh, my son loves the Bernstein Bears. He like reads all of the Bernstein Bears books. That's like his favorite, favorite thing ever. Yeah, but that's a great one too. (laughs) What about your book? What does it do for the child? So it was really, it's like a really, I would say easy visual guide about the dental visit. So pictures of, you know, you're going to open It shows the counting, the mirror, how we're going to brush, how long you should brush for, what to kind of expect from the dentist. It's a short, like 10 page um, picture book of just kind of seeing the dentist with the child in the chair, how you should be brushing and just kind of showing all of the tools so they're familiar with what's going to happen. It's just a little fun bedtime story. Yeah. What's it called? Um, so it's called a book about teeth. <laughs> book about called. teeth. A book about teeth. It's Perfect. very simple. But yeah, it was really for my son because he loves stories. My child loves books. Like I was saying about Bernstein bears. That's like one of his favorite. And there's a lot of lessons in the Bernstein bear books. So this was kind of, you know, just a little story about taking care of your teeth, preparing And it's really, I would say, targeted like zero to five, six, you know, just very basic story. That's why you're here. Yes. To five are the people who listen to this podcast. And what I'm hearing you say, right, you're giving us tools and tips and tricks. And that's what we want because we really want to help our kids feel safe and help them be healthy. But underneath that, what I'm hearing you say is that there's a way for us to connect deeply with our kids to build the relationship, which is another tenant here at core Four parenting that however far you get into this visit, however successful, like whatever the benchmark is this time, that's what we're going to celebrate, right? We're not going to be upset that you didn't make it to the chair. We're going to celebrate that you this time made it to the door. Yeah, I think you kind of hit it. Um, One of my major philosophies outside the practice, and I have incorporated that in the practice, is to try to focus on whatever you can do. So whatever you're able to do, you know, even if it's the child just sitting, you know, for me, that's like a win. And a lot of parents are very thankful for like those little wins because they do lead to the big wins. Sometimes, depending on where the child is, it's just not realistic, you know, to have certain expectations and kind of walking them through it and getting on their level and like just slowing down sometimes and making it as easy as possible. I think parents are just appreciative of, you know, that part of it. But there's things that a lot of things that are done on the front end, like just, 
even getting the forms beforehand. So we know they're like favorite TV shows so that they could like have that on. And it's just those little comfort things that they're like, oh my God, like I love Thomas. Maybe now, you know, they'll kind of be more in tune to like sit and want to like, you know, have their teeth looked at. So it's just the little ones. But yeah, it's always, I try to teach my parents and our families, just focus on what you can do. You know, if you can't brush for two minutes, if you could do 30 seconds, that's still a win, right? Then that 30 seconds will be maybe 35 seconds. And just kind of being okay with that, you know? But that's better than zero, right? That's better than not like doing it. So if you could even do a little bit, I think that's gonna be way better than like trying and getting upset for doing the two. I love that. So here we blend soul and science-based strategies and you're doing that in a medical office. It is something that is really, really rare and so incredibly special. So thank you for being you. Thank you for bringing who you are outside of your office into who you are inside your office. And on behalf of all the parents who work with you, I'm going to thank you for allowing them to let go of those expectations. I was on a podcast, I guested on one recently, and we talked about um, letting go of shame in motherhood. And I said, we have so much more. We always have, right? Mom guilt is just something that's kind of born into us as we give birth to our kids. But the pandemic has put us in a situation where kids may be three, four, five years old, by age now, but their developmental skill sets and their ability to navigate things in social settings, they're not meeting those milestones because they missed so many of those opportunities during isolation and lockdown. And so I imagine you are, might be seeing even more kids who are struggling and parents who haven't realized that it's okay to adjust the expectation based on what they've been through. Uh, Yeah, I would definitely agree to that. Um, You know, parenting, you got to pick, I don't know if that's the right word, battles, but there's just so much, you know, so much going on. And yes, I mean, even for my son, and I always say, like, if let's say a child has cavities and the parents, you know, start crying or they get upset, I'm always like, you know, everyone has something. Like my child had a lot of speech issues. Um, he didn't have specific, let's say, teeth issues, but like he was delayed and like we had to work. We needed support. Like we just needed speech therapists, like, you know, kind of OTs to help us navigate that. And I think acknowledging and knowing that you need an expert or you need someone to help guide you because by yourself, you don't have the answers and then you start going to this negative place, right? But when you get those strategies and like you mesh with someone, it just makes your life so much easier. And I found that like with my son, I mean, when we work with someone like, cause he had early intervention, then we did CPSC, um, when we found like Garcia, she was amazing. She was like, I still talk to her to these and like, uh, I'll still send her pictures because of, you know, how far he's progressed because of her support and, and encouragement. So sometimes I'm like, I'm kind of a coach too. <laughs> not like, I'm not just a dentist, but sometimes I'm like, you know, a therapist, a coach and like a motivational speaker. 
Because sometimes, I mean, for me, they made like a big, because I was in like a negative place, you know, when there's something with your child, you feel guilty. Like, you're like, oh my God, how did this happen? Like, why did, why did this happen? Like, did I do something, right? But like, sometimes they're on a different pace, right? And like the language came, it just, it was later, you know, for him. We are not supposed to do this alone. We were never supposed to do this alone. Our culture now is very siloed and that existed even before we became isolated households due to the pandemic. But you are supposed to be allowed to choose your village and pick the people who are going to help you navigate this journey. So I'm thrilled that you are in a position to be part of people's village. mama, did you know there are five skills that your child needs to practice to be truly ready to go to school, to be a good friend, a good student, and develop a lifelong love of learning? And spoiler alert, they are not ABCs, 123s, colors, or numbers. Are you enrolling your child in a twos program or a preschool for the first time? Are they already there going to daycare or preschool? And the teachers are saying that they're, quote, struggling, maybe even sending home some incident reports. Take my Pandemic Moms School Readiness mini course. It's eight short lessons with huge daily impact. The link is in the show notes. And if you DM me on Instagram, I'll give you a cool promo code for 50% off. You are raising world-ready kids who will change the world. And that means that they need to be school-ready as well. Once they are not with you all the time, that's where they're going to spend the majority of their time. Learn the five executive functioning skills they need for success in school and life with my mini course. I really want to ask you this question because it was submitted to me to ask to you. Okay. Okay. Fluoride or norfluoride? What's the answer? So that's, we always get asked that. To me, it's more important that they're brushing. I'll give you the textbook answer and then like the doctor answer and the mom answer. The textbook answer, like the American Academy of Pediatric Dentistry recommends as soon as they have teeth, to use a tiny bit of fluoride. So you should be using like a tiny rice grain before they're three. After three, once they know how to spit, you're doing like a pea size because they're spitting it out. I live in New York City, right? We have like a lot of holistic parents. They don't believe in fluoride. Um, My take on it, I care more that they're actually doing the brushing twice a day, that they're like removing, you know, any food. There's no plaque there. Um, So as a mom and like a doctor, that's more important to me. Now, if I have a child that's like high risk and, you know, let's say mom and dad have a lot of cavities, this child has a lot of cavities. I do believe that it's a tool to help keep the teeth strong. So I will, you know, tell the parents if it was my child, you know, I would use it because you want to minimize the chance of them getting any more cavities and you want to kind of make sure that they have the best chance of keeping their teeth healthy. And I think in that scenario, it is important. 
Whereas if you have a child that, let's say, has no cavities, they're doing their brushing, the diet is super healthy, is it going to have such an important part of, let's say, their oral health? Probably not. So that's why when they come in, these are kind of like all things that we talk about. I think some parents, you know, you do need to use it because it really does help, you know, minimize the effects of cavities. But other kids, no, they probably don't need it. I mean, my son does use it. Like, you know, he's six, he goes to birthday parties all the time. Like, he's a kid. I mean, I'm okay with that. He's spitting. So to me, as long as it's in moderation and minimal, I'm okay with that. And that's kind of what I advocate for, too. I'm not like against it or for it. I think there's a place for it, like everything else. It's just the tool that you have to help if a child needs it. Like everything else, it very much depends on all the variables. Yeah. So there's no like set answer. Um, I'm not against it. You know, I think there's a place for it. You know, in Vermont, I don't know. And like New York, the water's fluoridated, right? Um, in Vermont, like, and when I used to, when I just graduated, I worked in New Jersey. And actually in Jersey, there's no fluoride in the water. And I did see a lot more kids with cavities, a lot. Like little, you know, two, three-year-olds that have just got their teeth with like all the... And again, this is kind of like case by case, but like in those, if it's a non-fluoridated area... I probably would recommend more so to use it than, let's say, if the water is fluoridated. That makes so much sense. Okay, another question that was submitted. People really want to know stuff. They said, I took my child to the pediatric dentist. They're three and a half. And they told me they can pretty much predict that my child's going to need braces. How Mm -hmm. on earth can this be true? Great question. And yes, it is true. Um, So by three, you have your 20 or all of your baby teeth. If there is space between those baby teeth, there will be more chance for the grown-up teeth to come in, like not crooked because there's more room. If there is no space and the teeth are like touching or they're already crowded, you know from the get-go that this child is going to need orthodontic work because the grown-up teeth are so much bigger than the baby teeth. And if there's no space to start with, the grown-up teeth are still going to come in, but they're going to be crooked. So yes, um, a lot of times by three, we could tell you based off if there is space or no space, the likelihood that your child will need braces. So it's true. That has never been explained more clearly to me than you just did. (laughs) I get it. It makes so much sense. It's true. Yeah. Amazing. Wow. All right. So another question that I have for you. Sure. Because you see so many different kiddos. What is the number one fear that they tend to present with when they come to your office? And how how do you support them with that? I think it kind of goes back to our initial conversation, fear of the unknown. Mm. And some parents, if the child, let's say, goes to a pediatrician and they're kind of programmed to think every time they go, they get a shot and they see, let's say, you know, a dental office, they make this association of ouch hurts. I think the more you prepare and kind of use those positive words, um, I think sometimes parents don't realize it, but their own anxieties go to their kids, right? Like if they're scared of the dentist. 
I think they don't mean to do it, but a lot of the language that they use is kind of more, you know, it may hurt or or something instead of being positive, just a little more negative than it should be. And that, you know, a child's very sensitive. So they kind of pick that up. Or even, you know, saying something like, if you don't brush your teeth, when you go to the dentist, they're going to give you a shot, right? So they they kind of already set that expectation that, oh my God, the dentist is going to hurt me. Like shots, you know, shot, that's not a positive thing. So I think just kind of doing the books, preparing, using language that you could do this, you know, you're safe. They're going to help you. You know, this is someone that's going to, help teach us kind of just being mindful of their own anxieties and not putting that on the child. I think that makes a big difference. Yeah. Isn't that just the whole job? Right. I know. And it's hard because, you know, I do it too. And I really need to like filter how I think sometimes because, you know, like anyone, right. You might not have the best day you come home and you're like, not in the best mood, sometimes like the littlest things, right? You get, you don't mean to, but you just like, why did you do that? Like, you know, you go into a negative kind of mindset. We're stressed and we're rushed and we're late and we're all the things. And we don't know if you're going to wait for us. And (laughs) But you just do it. But I really try to like think and like leave, you know, work at work. But it's hard because it's like you really need to be mindful of your thoughts and like your language, your body language, like kind of coming home and like more zen. I mean, it's hard. I think parenting and I'm sure you know this. There's a lot of expectations like between work and, you know, your where your child should be. And like you're constantly trying to do the best you can and you're getting pulled in like 20 different directions. And it's just coming back to that place of, okay, I'm doing whatever I can do. Like I'm doing the best I can. Yes, there are things I have to work on, you know, whatever it may be. It's hard now. It's not like easy. No. It's a whole new world, especially post-pandemic parenting, whole new world. And I actually think with regards to you as the dentist, we're in a better place than we are with our pediatrician. So listen up, moms. This is good news. Okay. You know if your child's going to get a shot at the dentist because the cavity is found on one day and the cavity is filled on a different day. Right. So you don't have to stress about that. If you're not sure, call ahead, ask the question and just be super clear. Like she's saying, be super clear on the way there. Today is not a day you're getting a shot at the dentist. Just tell them. Yeah. Use your words for good and see if that calms some of that early anxiety that they're already starting to ramp up with while they're sitting in the back seat. Yeah. One more thing I want to make sure that we touch on before we wrap up today. I think we could talk for much longer. Right. You said that you have a specialty in lip tongue tie dentistry. Never heard of it. What is this? Please help us understand why we need you. Yeah. So a lot of the stuff they don't teach you in dental school or medical school. The reason I kind of learned about it was because I had a lot of issues with nursing, which we knew he had a tongue tie. I just didn't know how much it would impact my nursing ability. But talk about, oh, my God, the pain, the sleepless nights, the colicky baby, like all the check marks. 
you think that nursing is easy, but it's not. Like it was really hard for me and very challenging. So given I saw a lactation consultant and she kind of said he has like a lip and a tongue tie, you should go see, you know, a doctor to kind of help remove that. We kind of went there. I mean, it really helped. Um, just removing that restriction gave my son the ability to latch and me the ability to be able to nurse. So I kind of wanted to learn a lot more about it because I just didn't know anything. And I'm like, it helped me. So this is something, you know, maybe I could help with. Um, but then when my child started getting a little older, we actually had to have another procedure because he was delayed in speech. And a lot of things that you like the tongue when there has different functions. Um, first, it's like nursing, then it's feeding, then it's speech. Like it's all kind of the same, but like different time. Um, so he had like these speech issues, which then we went to work with the speech therapist. So we actually had to have a second revision, which helped a lot as well. But my son had a very, like a severe restriction. That's not the norm. But it like just took me down this rabbit hole of like, oh my God, how did I not like know any of this, right? Why did no one teach me any of this in school? And then working with kind of like pediatricians and learning more about it, you know, there's a lot of opinions about, should we do the procedure? Should we not do the procedure? Is this something that's going to help? Is this something that's not going to help? I think because it is a newer um, medicine takes time for changes to get implemented. This is something that's relatively new that only was kind of acknowledged in the 90s. So if you think about timeline, it's very new. So there's a lot of opinions as far as who should do it, when you should do it, does it really help? I'll tell you from personal experience, I think it really does help. There's also all these studies that show if you don't do anything and the baby's, let's say, mouth breathing, there's more likelihood to, God forbid, have like sleep apnea when you're older, um, besides like the speech impediments and just your self-esteem and issues. So there's kind of all these like pros that it could help with. So now that we're working with lactation consultants, speech, speech therapists, we kind of see all these kids and how much it has helped them with whether it's been nursing or language. So I definitely think some moms, they know there's an issue, but they don't know what it is because their pediatrician isn't necessarily directing them to get the procedure based off of, you know, what their opinion is. You know, some just, again, I didn't know either. And I probably wouldn't have known unless I, I only know because I have my son that I have like an experience with what kind of happens. But yeah, I think some moms are kind of looking for answers. And we have a lot of moms that like reach out like for an assessment because no one told them, but they're having like, they're like, why can't I nurse? Why am I in pain? Is this normal? And like, you shouldn't be in pain. There's, there's a problem. Like someone needs to help, you know? Um, but it's not always, I guess, the pediatrician that's kind of diagnosing it. Sometimes there needs to be kind of, you have to ask the right questions. So you need to know what the symptoms are to help with. So it's just like an important area to acknowledge and recognize. 
Well, thank you for raising awareness around that. It's really a conversation um, that could go on. So I know you have resources on your website. So if people are looking for early care, there's a free worksheet, there's educational resources on your website. And I bet there's some information about that too, that they could go access. The whole video about it, like a 15 minute video, what it is, what the procedure and everything's on the website. Yes. Perfect. And if you are listening and you are a New York City resident, let me just tell you that Dr. Fatina has a really fantastic gift for you. Call them up, become a new patient, and she's going to give you a free battery operated toothbrush and not just, you know, the kind you can get at Rite Aid. Why don't you tell them what you're going to give them? Yeah, so it's like the VIP of battery toothbrushes, the Sonicare, which is the best one. That's what my son uses. And that's what, yeah, we're giving. And there's also an app that goes with it. So it's a good one. It's definitely, I would say, a good one to get your kid excited about brushing. So if your kids are showing signs of anxiety around dental care at home, and at the office. She's a great resource if you live in the city. If you listen outside of that area, go check out her website for all those other resources. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day to educate us and empower us in ways that we can help keep our kids safe even when they're feeling a little worried. Thank you so much for having me. This was a great conversation. Thank you for everything you're doing. I love this, how you have everyone or coming on your podcast and asking these great questions and raising awareness. So thank you. I hope you are enjoying our back to school mini series that will run all through the month of August and the beginning of September. Topics that are relevant to where you are and what your kids are going through right now as you start full-time daycare programs, preschool enrollments, and even those first few days of kindergarten. Please take a moment and scroll down, rate and review the show, let people know what you love about it, and leave me a note of an episode topic you would love to see me record. Until next time, stay mindful and proactive as we raise school-ready kids who will change the world.